I'm Stephanie Hammond, and this is the Fruition Podcast. On this show, I sit down with passionate people who've brought their dreams to fruition. We'll explore different versions of success and fulfillment and dig into what was on their mind along the way. With these conversations, I hope we can all expand our sense of possibility. And who knows, maybe hearing their stories will inspire you to take action on yours. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Um, I appreciate you coming back here for another episode. Today, we're talking to Billy St. Clair, who is a self-taught stick-and-poke tattoo artist. You'll hear about what that means in the episode, but what I find so fascinating about her story is that she's the complete opposite of me. She just followed her gut and impulsively started to try this new very high stakes and, in my mind, very high risk. Um, hobby, which then fully developed into her career. She's a great example that you don't have to spend months and years in training and research and development. You obviously have to take all the safety precautions seriously and licensing and et cetera, et cetera. But you can just kind of impulsively try things out and jump into things and it doesn't have to take so much foresight because that's typically when you lose your steam and when you fall off the train of actually making something happen. So I'm glad that you get to hear her story, and I hope that it pushes you to just try something that seems a little bit crazy and seems like kind of a big deal and see where you land. My current obsession that I want to share with you guys is... Hemlock Hat Company. If you know me, if you've ever been on a walk with me, you have seen a Hemlock hat. I am addicted to my sun hat, which I've had for a couple years now, probably five years, and it's attached to my body anytime there's sun outside because it's cute, it's fun, it has a massive brim so it protects your skin and just adds a lot of personality, you know? Um, They have visors, they have sun hats with different prints on them, and they're very affordable. I want to say that they're like in the $60-ish range, but then they go on sale. And um, you can also get them on Amazon. I've got them as gifts for people because they're just useful and fun and cute. So check them out, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Have a great day! Hi, Billy. Welcome to Fruition Podcast. To set the stage for anybody listening, Billy and I grew up down the street from each other, and she was my best friend's cool big sister. (laughs) (laughs) Always the trendsetter. We idolized you. We still do. We grew up on an island outside of Seattle. And I still live nearby there, but Billy has since moved. So I would love to hear from you a little bit of background on where you are and when you made the move and what you do. Okay, well, yeah, thank you so much, Stephanie, for having me on. Um, I am in Denver, Colorado. I moved here about like a year and maybe six months ago. And, um, yeah, I kind of had just like felt like I needed a change. Um, my intuition had been telling me that I needed to move for a little bit. And I feel like, uh, my community and everything I built there was keeping me there. But, um, once COVID hit, it actually like kind of made it easier for me to leave. Honestly, I was like, Oh, my friends aren't doing anything. (laughs) I am a stick and poke tattoo artist. And I work at the shop Made, which is in the Berkeley area of Denver, kind of more north. When you say that your intuition was telling you, kind of like pinging you to make a move, did you have an idea of where you wanted to go? Was it always Denver? Did you have other places on your list that sounded Mm. interesting to you? I wasn't always Denver. I was gonna like, I was full blown gonna move to Portland for a little bit, but then also I was like, I'm going to make them if I'm going to move out of Seattle, like why would I just move to a smaller Seattle? So it almost felt like too comfortable where again, really this move was like kind of about uncomfortability. Right. And like mm-hmm. kind of like setting, putting myself in like uh, a place where I need to make friends and make a new community and be lonely again. And that, you know, I say that with a grain of salt because it's still not easy, but it was something that I felt like I needed to like experience. Um, and Denver kind of was like, yeah, I, it just 
I've always thought Denver is cool. I knew it was sunny here. Like, ah, uh, so. so ideal. Yeah, it's so great. Nice. So I am happy I'm here. I miss the water a, a lot, but yeah, there's a lot of cool mountains. So I know. Yeah, <laughs> you trade one thing for the next. Yeah. So did you start? doing stick and poke tattoos while you were living in Seattle still, or was this after you moved to Denver? Yeah, that was when I was very much living in Seattle. And I started doing it when I was working, um, still working, doing graphic design. Okay. And can you explain what stick and poke tattoos are? A lot of people will ask me that if it's like the OG traditional way of doing it, which actually isn't true. Like the traditional one that we see, like, um, that was done more in like or ancient civilizations actually use like a hammer with something. So it, it really acts like the gun more, but with stick and poke, you're just using a s- single needle and just dipping it into ink and um, you're just administering the line one dot at a time. So that's why it takes like, it's, it's not as painful as the gun because you know, the gun moves in and out so quickly that it um, almost blades the um, ink through the skin if you could think of it that way. And that's why you kind of get that really clean, nice line. But with stick and poke, it's a dot by dot. So, and just using the single needle. So all I all I work with is one needle and an ink cap, basically, of course, all the other stuff that comes with tattooing. But um, Wow. It's okay. almost like, it's like prison tatting is what I say. <laughs> like, You're giving honestly, prison tats. It. It's prison tats. Yeah, it's prison tats. Why did you start doing stick and poke? You know, to machine tattoos. The industry as of now is kind of starting to change a little bit, but like in traditional, like with traditional tattooing, it's always been like, and again, I'm going to be, I don't even know if I should say this, but like it's just a really gate kept industry. It's not necessarily easy to get an apprenticeship places. And like I've had a lot of friends now that I've met through tattooing that did traditional apprenticeships and they like, mop the floor for a year you know and I was thinking I also truly wasn't like when I first bought the stuff I wasn't like I'm gonna be a tattooer I was like yeah I'm gonna add some dots to my toes and fingers and Mm. maybe do other stuff but like Mm -hmm. I didn't have an intention of becoming a professional tattooer like I never did and I think that's like funny about life right you can't really predict where you're gonna be actually when I was in Bellingham so I've always done art and my friend Mike I still haven't told him this, and I really need to. He was like, you should become a tattoo artist, or or would you ever tattoo your own art on your body? And I was like, no, thanks, but no. But I've always admired, I always admired girl, female tattoo artists. I thought they were cool. So, like, that was definitely the inspiration behind it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Did you always want to be an artist in some form? Yes, definitely. I think that's always been my a parent like when I was younger I got um I got in trouble for like doodling all over my homework all the time and I really didn't care about other projects in school I just wanted to do art projects and yeah um, yeah I just I mean I always loved art and school in general never was too much for me but I mean I went through school but it's just, I loved it to do art I guess right what did you actually study in school I got two um, degrees. I actually started with visual journalism. Long story short, I was like uh, switching schools and I wasn't able to get into the graphic design program when the time I got there. So I just decided to do a different major that had design in it and as well as photography. Um, and I was graduating visual uh, visual journalism when we were doing the graphic design class and my teacher actually was like, you're good at this you should apply to the program and so I applied to the program and got in and that meant another two years of school so I do have two BAs which is kind of funny so I was in school for six years wow yeah I was there for a while Mm -hmm. and did you think that that was going to be it that was something that you were excited about doing and maybe maybe would have been the end all be all yeah well I think before like social media um, before art viewed as something that was like an accessible form of income, I feel like there was like a big taboo with it. You know, like yeah. I, I don't think people talk about it now, but like, you know, like the art school jokes. As an art student, it was like, okay, well, what, what can you graduate with that's going to be tangible and make you money? Graphic design. 
you know. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like was again like I wanted to do art, but I also needed to do something that I could make a living in, and so that's why you know was interested in graphic design. Also because I'm more of like I've always been more of a modern artist. You know, I'm not like a sketch artist or. How do you think the way that you were brought up influenced your choice to go into graphic design and then now maybe into tattoo? Did mm. you said that your dad is a freelance videographer? Mm-hmm. Do you think that that had any sort of um, expansion for you, just demonstrating that you can make a living doing freelance work? Yeah. Like, how do you think that that? influenced you whether subconsciously or consciously if you even thought about it my inspiration to do art was definitely like a passion inside of me that I always loved art and loved style and aesthetic and all that colors in general um but I think yeah I think seeing my dad and knowing that he did it on his own and he did it also at a young age was definitely inspiring although like you know, it was funny going into freelance and also knowing there was times where my dad was really stressed out. And because again, like we had mentioned before we started the podcast, like it is, it's hard not to know that the, that there's a, you know, constant paycheck coming in. Like you're totally, I think that's some, some things that people don't really realize too. It's like, I think some people could look at me and go, oh, it's great. You only tattoo for like, you know, four to six, four hours a day or whatever. But I'm like, no, that's not it. I'm doing all my emails. I'm buying all my supplies. I'm prepping all my clients. I'm doing all my taxes. Like, it's never a moment where it stops. I have people hitting me up constantly. And um, it's an all hours a day thing. But it's very rewarding, I think, when you do it. I love not having a boss, to be honest. I just like, I love that. Do you feel like where we grew up had any sort of influence into going going into a defined path or staying away from entrepreneurship or, or a creative route like yeah, you have now? Um, that's a good question. I I don't know about that. I don't know. Because I feel like, I mean, we grew up on Mercer Island. It was like more of an affluent place to live for sure. So we grew up a lot around people that you know, were well off and had money. So I think that obviously that, you know, there was, at least I know pressure from other kids, but I don't know if like, I necessarily felt the pressure. And I was also young, like, I feel like I truly didn't um, think too much about that, you know, and again, when I was younger, I just, I didn't like school, I didn't do well in school, it was not my favorite. I didn't start doing well in school Mm. until I started doing art classes in college. (laughs) Such an obvious indicator. Okay, so do you feel like you were enjoying your job in graphic design? Were you doing well in that role that you had there? Or was it something that you didn't really yeah. enjoy from the No, I definitely, I mean, especially, I think, like, again, this is, like, the interesting thing, bet- like, the juxtaposition between um, school, going to school for something, and then getting out in the real world. Because in school... Yes, you have guidelines, but you're picking what you want to do for the project. You're designing rad stuff and you're working on stuff that's like you solely produced. And um, I did, I mean, graphic design school is awesome. We worked, it was, I mean, it was a very hard program. But then getting into the real world, I got a job doing graphic design um, for Zulu's corporate which was a very fun place to work, honestly. It was like, a, it was like, it was perfect for out of college. It was kind of like a party job, but, um, but it was, it was great. And I learned so much. And that's the funny thing too. It's like, I learned stuff that I didn't learn in school, which I'm like, why wouldn't she like, even things like file organization. And I think, you know, not to drone on too long, but getting to the point where I started realizing I like graphic design, but I was feeling super limited. Like, you know, I didn't, I didn't like that I would spend days and days designing something for the store, but then the buyers get to pick the color. And I, I didn't like like the brand guidelines that kind of like felt like they were limiting me. And to be honest, like I know I'm a tattoo artist, but in terms of typography and words, like I, I fell short of being detail oriented. Um, because again, like for me, I was so stoked on the art of it. Like I loved illustrating I loved illustrating, but then like when we threw, threw text in it, I kind of was like, I didn't really, and I, of course I cared and I think I did great work, but I was also like, it just wasn't as fun to me. Like scrolling through pages for hours, looking for the perfect type. I'm like, Oh, I just, I just want to draw something, you know? And I think that's kind of like 
where I realized that I love graphic design. Like I still miss it and kind of wish I could do it. But going back, if I were to do graphic design, I would do only illustration work. But I did feel like I excelled. Like I, I feel like I did really well at design and I created visually appealing things. But I always had like a sense of quirkiness in my style, which didn't translate totally well to graphic design, depending on the client, right? We were reaching a time when I was getting out of college where graphic design was simple. Um, and uh, it's not that, I mean, my artwork is very simple, but again, there's like a quirkiness, like a weirdness to it that didn't translate as well. Your unique style. Yeah, yes. Which is difficult for a brand to incorporate when they have their unique yeah. messaging and voice. Exactly. It's like I'm designing for Nike and they're like, fuck off with that, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> they don't want any quirk. No, they want the swag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What did the rest of your life feel like at that time? It doesn't sound like you were unsatisfied, mm. but did any of that kind of misalignment, I guess, bleed into mm. the rest of your life? What did it feel like? I did. I think I did feel times like when I was graphic designing that I wasn't like a good enough graphic designer. And, and I think because of the technicality of it and because I wasn't like, I love the programs, but like, I think that there was times again, and also like, I mean, it's, it's, I'm going to be vulnerable and admit this stuff. Like I made typos in my designs a lot. And again, it's because I didn't have that like attention to detail in that way. Something I feel like I've debunked a little bit within my new, um, my new job. But no, I think I think again, like you know, it. A, I do believe in some point that a job's a job, and if it pays for you to work and live and do other hobbies, and that's great. And again, I have like I had a great time. I the job I had before transitioning to tattooing was not was really bad, but um, that was a very small moment in my life, and it's because I was working with misogynistic assholes in a fake company we don't even need to get into it because the story is actually insane but it pushed me to to do like this is that is the reason why i started tattooing actually yeah everything happens for a reason exactly isn't it interesting though that when you're not in the right environment or doing the right most aligned thing for you you can start to question or doubt your own abilities and it it almost makes you feel small but really you're just in the wrong place like you shouldn't yeah. have been doing typography the entire time that doesn't mean you're not talented or you're not mm. smart or you're not capable you clearly very much are <laughs> but you just weren't in the right place doing the right thing yes it's, it's interesting how it can cause you to kind of doubt or question Oh, of course. And especially because like, you know, we all struggle with, um, Oh, like imposters. Impo- I don't know why yes. I talk about oh. this all the time. So it's so huge, but like, it's I very think familiar also, with that. Yes, we all feel it, whatever, like you could feel it doing laundry. I'm not good enough yep. for this load. I just like, um, I think with what you said before though, it's like, it is interesting that we do need to like, at least I need to remind myself constantly that like, even talking about my story now is a sign that like you do have to trust the universe and you can't predict what you're going to do, even if you go to school for something, you know, or if you have a certain plan, like life is so unpredictable. Well, and the plans are so influenced by what you've seen. Yeah. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. we grew up, I, we were talking about this before we started recording, but my experience of the way that we grew up was there's one singular path. That's the right path that you should take. That's mm-hmm. going to lead to, security and success and then and then you can find fulfillment around that and joy around that and hopefully within it too and so you you come up with these plans from a conditioned place of what you've seen Mm -hmm. not not from a place of like limitless possibilities because if you've never seen these different possibilities how would you ever formulate a plan around something you've never seen or experienced oh, or witnessed, course. you know? So it's like you come up with this plan, you go to school, you pick your major based on safety and security and then what you've witnessed around you and your mm-hmm. community. So how could you, I mean, I think a lot of people are intuitive and listen to their gut and are able to follow maybe what the universe has in store for them. Yeah. But a lot of people Hard. are listening to survival, security, Mm -hmm. safety, and conditioning. Mm -hmm. And so they make these decisions and end up in careers or on these 
tracks that aren't aligned. Yes. Yeah, I guess I guess bringing that up, you're you are right. Like, of course, there's some kiddishing, and I think it's also because like of our parents and nothing wrong against them, but like they grew up on a very different model than the way millennials are working. So I think obviously there's that pressure, and that's why I think people felt like did start to feel uncomfortable, and why we do see a breakout of um, independent people not just doing the sale business. I'm gonna own a shop, you know, kind of like entrepreneurial spirit that at least I thought what it meant to be an entrepreneur when I was younger. Yeah. That makes sense. And I mean, how fortunate are we that our grandparents survived? Our parents built this foundation of security and stability Mm -hmm. for us. And then we have the option now to explore our passions Mm -hmm. and what lights us up and what's unique about our skill set and our strengths. And I don't, don't know that all of our parents got to do that. I definitely don't think they did. They were raised with a survival instinct from our depressionary grandparents. And so, I mean, they, the golden ticket was security and stability. Right. Obviously they're going to pursue that and want that for us too, because that's how they were conditioned. Yeah. We're so lucky that we get to explore these things that are just, fun and joyful for us and then find where it can provide for us yeah so do you feel like your experience in graphic design kind of set the stage for what you're doing now um yes I think that graphic design set me up um in a lot of ways for tattooing just in terms of like an a keen eye for layout and seeing how something like lays and fits on something but also like I've, I've said this before to clients when they like ask about, and I'm like, a lot of my tattoos are just like logos, you know, like they're like simplified, really simplified one line. Like I think I got, you know, that I adopted that style from graphic design. Cause again, at the time, everyone's just modern style was minimalist, minimalist, minimalist. And I've always gravitated towards that too, you know? And I think also we need to keep in mind that tattoos haven't been totally minimalist in one line for a long time, you know? So like, um, yeah, it just, again, with tattooing, it felt like it felt weird going into it. Cause it like traditional art, like stuff you see, like the whole big stuff. It's like, no, that's not the tattooing that, or the art that I want to produce, but it didn't feel, it doesn't seem as feminine yeah. as what you do. Yes. Most of my clients are girls. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What was the transition like going from graphic design to tattooing? You said that your friend at one point Mm -hmm. said, have you ever thought about tattooing yourself or other people? And then you thought, how did you even think, oh, I want to put dots on my fingers and my toes? Like, why why did you pick a stick and poke kit? Like, did you get it on Amazon? How did this start? I didn't get a kit. I had, um, my best friend's sister was doing stick and poke at the time. And again, like for me, it just felt super, it's not like I need to like buy a gun and pick up a gun because at a time too, that was like really taboo, especially because with tattooing, it does involve blood and like, um, yeah, you have to be knowledgeable in a lot more ways and I'm just going to tattoo myself because you could potentially harm yourself. But it was just like, it was easy. All I needed to buy was a needle an eight cap gloves, like, you know, and I just kind of like went from there. The transition was I was between jobs. I had quit. Um, I oh, first quit Zoomies and then I got this other job that I thought was going to be like great and um, more than horrible. And I ended up quitting on the spot one day. And so I um, was kind of just like doing little random tattoos, to be honest, like, I tell my clients this too, like it definitely started off as a party thing. And like, I don't know if I'm going to be, I don't want to get shamed for saying this, but it's like, it was like a thing that if I had some drinks and people were down, I was down to tattoo them. And people loved it. Yeah. I mean, they like desperately wanted you to do it. It's like fun to get tattooed on your kitchen floor. But, and again, this is with me saying that we all have to start somewhere. We all have to start somewhere, but, um, I just started, like, I had a pretty big community in Seattle, too, and I think a lot of people did know me as an artist, and I had a lot of people that were wanting to get tattooed by me, and um, I didn't stop getting people reaching out to me, even in the two or three weeks that I was, like, still looking for a job, and I remember um, 
calling my mom and saying like, I don't know if I want to go back to an office. Like two or three weeks after you quit, you already had kind of, I, yeah, I just, again, like I had a lot of friends who were willing and it was cheap. I was like, I'm doing this between jobs. I'll give you a $40 tattoo. It took me like five hours to do each tiny tattoo at that point. Cause stick and pokes take a longer time in general, but, um, and I would tattoo people in my kitchen and which my sister absolutely hated, which is fair. Um, yeah, I, I do remember like kind of going back to your point and like, I love my parents so much and they are the most supportive, loving parents in the world. But when I first told my mom that she was not, she was concerned. It wasn't like that she wasn't believing in me, but she was like, you really want to do this and not have like the comfort of, you know, security. And, um, I, yeah, I just like, again, I felt like I was coming from a place too, where I had just ended like the last job that I was at and my boss and my superior that was working with me were so horrible to me. And I was just like, I just don't even like working under people, honestly. Like, I feel like in general, I've never liked being told what to do. And that's not to say that I can't do it in like a like professional sense. But again, like being told what art I'm supposed to do, being told that my art doesn't like look a certain way. I'm like, well, it's my fucking art. Like I want to draw what I want to draw and it like annoys me. And How long did your mom feel skeptical or express concern? A long time. I mean, I feel like, yeah, it's hard to not and again like it was always a believing in me but I think she like continued to send me graphic design jobs and I think again it came from her own you know how she grew up and what makes money and to be honest like the history with my parents and tattoos was never good I mean we're at a good place now because I have made a successful career for myself but like they hated my tattoos they still don't like my tattoos and now they appreciate it a lot more um but that was a journey in itself, to be honest. And like, I had to kind of take that where I was like, it sucked. It didn't feel good. I know my parents were stoked. And I felt like even, you know, talking, I think now people are more accepting, but sometimes I even find myself like feeling self-conscious if I'm talking to like an older generation and I say like, they ask me what I do. And I'm like, oh, I'm a tattoo artist. And they're like, oh. And I think it's, again, because it's become so much more of a thing. Like, I feel like tattoos are really scrutinized for a long time and still are. But now, like, it's more and more popular and more accepting where they, it kind of was, you know, still a little taboo. Did you hesitate at all when your mom was concerned? Like, did it, did it make you question your plan in no. any way? honestly no yeah I've all I feel like I've always been like a, a little bit of a risk taker and I do things impulsively which has worked out for me and also really not worked out for me it doesn't always work out for me so I'm not gonna like tell people to go out there and be impulsive but again it just like felt right and it and I just was like I can always apply to graphic design jobs again if this doesn't work out and it was something new. I was ready to do something new at that point. I was bored and I was just ready for it. How did you land on $40 for a tattoo? <laughs> did it matter the size? Like, no, because did people I, Venmo you? Yeah, I, I didn't like, at that point, I was so new into, like, I, I'm three and a half years in now for tattooing. I'm still learning so much. Like, it's such a, such an intricate and every skin is different. Like, every person's body accepts things differently and the skin will heal differently. Like there's endless stuff to learn constantly. And um, I think at that time I had no understanding of how long things took and, you know, like being efficient. And also I was moving a lot slower when it's already a very slow process. So I just kind of was like, yeah, again, like I was just hoping to do like, you know, a couple of week and make a couple, some extra money while I was looking for a job. Did you have any sort of vision for yourself at that point? I mean, you just said that you were still kind of looking for graphic design jobs, maybe not that you were really considering them, but yeah. what what was your vision for yourself at that point, whether it was for that moment in time mm -hmm. or even for a couple of years down the road? I think like I just wanted, honestly, like, cause again, I wasn't really looking <laughs> too much into the future which is again is a blessing and a curse of me sometimes I sometimes I focus so hard on the future but other things I just don't um 
And I feel like I just wanted, again, I think with the, the boss thing and like even working with Zoom's corporate, which was such a great experience, like working with a corporation is just like, can be shitty sometimes. Like we all know this. I don't think I'm saying that any ill will by saying that. And I feel like I just like kind of wanted to just do my own thing a little bit. And this felt tangible. I was like, okay, well, people want this and they'll pay me for it. So why not just try it? Who was your first paying customer? That's hard to say. Definitely one of my friends, but like, I guess you say I'm, I'm just thinking because I did a lot of like really funny, like drunken tattoos, but they didn't pay me. When did you say like, okay, I'm going to start charging. Yeah. Once I felt like, you know, I think once I felt like I got better and once again, I started to realize like, I think something that people don't realize with tattoos is how much fucking work goes into them and how it's not easy to sit there and hold a skin stretched out for hours and it's not easy to focus on the line for that long and and so much planning and goes into the drawing and then you have changes in the drawing and or last minute changes and I think I realized I was like this is not forty dollars and like and maybe I did even like I don't know when I first started to like slowly raise my prices but again it was like I valued my own worth now looking back I'm like maybe I should have done free tattoos for longer but it was also like I still had a sense of value where I'm like, I'm putting a lot of time into this. I'm putting a lot of love into this. I'm trying to make my clients feel as awesome as possible. You know, like I deserve to be compensated properly, you know, and you need that if you want to like start your own thing or because there's always going to be someone out there that is maybe even doing better work and charging cheaper than you. But again, like, and I'm not saying go out and charge someone exorbitant amounts, but like, know your worth and stand by it because people respect boundaries. Did you ever completely fuck up a tattoo? Yes. <laughs> On somebody else or yourself? Oh yeah. This is my, this is my classic tattoo story that I love to tell everyone. And cause people ask me that a lot. And again, like I'm saying all this with a grain of salt, like yeah. I, and I want to be vulnerable because I hate it when people pretend like they don't, didn't make mistakes. But uh, again, like, I, I, I like laughed because it did kind of start as a party thing, but like I was with my friends and it was like probably 4am in the morning and she wanted 777 on her knee. Um, and I had just gotten a stencil printer and I was just like figuring out the first time, still no excuse for what happened. Um, I tattooed it upside down and backwards. So it looks like it said Jeff. Because if you think of 777 upside down. <laughs> so to this day, we call her Jeff Knee. It's upon her knee. But oh she God. loves it. Like, she, like, there are people out there that, like, do like to collect, like, that type of art, you know? And it's a fucking hilarious story. But uh, that is so funny. You got to start somewhere. You're not going to be good at, it doesn't matter how good of an artist you are, you will not be good at tattooing right when you start. That's just, yeah. You will not. <laughs> and you know what I found? It, like, especially in the case of us talking right now, when mm -hmm. you actually take start to take action on something, people will do crazy things to support you. Totally. Like, there's this analogy that I heard someone say once where if you if you're if your car broke down and you're on the side of the road and you're pushing your car, people are more inclined to pull over and help you push the car rather than if you're just standing next to the car waving for help you know like yeah. if you start to take action on something that you are excited about people are gonna give you their knee and let you fuck up a tattoo and right. have a jeff knee for the rest of their life yeah and i think that like also too it's it's so interesting like seeing my old work and of course like it, as a tattoo artist i think it can be kind of hard seeing your old work because you're like well fuck like i wish i could do that tattoo with the talents i have now but you need those people and you're right. Like people are so willing to support you. And like, even with something that's permanent on their body forever, which is Apparently. like, I, you'd be so, I did. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm so thankful for anyone who trusted me in that first year of tattooing because, you know, I'm completely self-taught. Like I didn't have an apprentice. Like I, again, like I learned through, through trial and error and, of course, talking with a little other tattooers. But again, I've kind of always just like, before working at May, like I definitely did keep to myself. The tattoo industry in general, like can be pretty cutthroat. 
just again with like the gatekeeping and keeping it traditional. So like, um, I think that my quick rise with on my Instagram in Seattle, it's just, I wasn't the easiest, you know? And I think that like, when I did move to Denver, like I made a point to like hit up a bunch of tattoo artists and, you know, be like, Hey, I'm moving here. And like, we do the same thing and that's fucking awesome. But, um, I mean, you find that in any industry and especially with art, I think that like, there's a lot of a scarcity mindset, right. Where they want to like, hold on to it. And they feel like, like, just because you're doing the same thing that that's going to take away from them. But like, listen, there's going to be, no matter what you do, there's always a reason why someone's going to choose you, whether it's temperament, whether it's style, like someone could decide not to come to me because they think I'm too chatty. Like, honestly, you know, like there's so many reasons and we shouldn't ever have that scarcity mindset because of that, you know, it holds everyone back. It holds everyone back. Yes. And it holds people back also from starting a journey. Like, cause there is that like, Oh, well, if you're doing this, then you're an enemy and I'm not going to treat you kindly. And I don't know. I think, I think that's bullshit. I'll stand by that always. So you said that you started posting on Instagram when you were in Seattle. What, how did you begin to legitimize the business? I guess what came first, Instagram, posting on Instagram or legitimizing? Well, I just, I had my Instagram. So I was just sharing my tattoos like, and I didn't think, Again, like I, I wasn't like, oh, I'm trying to like, you know, grow my, I mean, I knew to a certain extent in this day and age, it is helpful to have a good social media presence. And I think I just started posting every day and um, learning about how to use hashtags. And um, I think that again, really it was more so it didn't become real till I moved into my first small studio in Seattle. Um, because again, I was still tattooing like at my kitchen counter, like mm-hmm. it was not great. It was not great. But I think like once I realized that I really wanted to do this and I was, you know, finally like starting to make some money where I could, could make that happen. That's when I really became like, Oh, well, like this could be real. And like, I don't really know what the future holds with it because like, I also will stand by this to this day. I don't want to tattoo forever. I just don't. It's a very, very, very physically and mentally demanding job. And that's why I didn't want to burn out. How'd you find the space? Was it super expensive? Like, how long was your lease? How did that work? Do you have to get a license? Yes, yes, of course. I got my license, my blood porn pathogens test. um, And I, uh, yeah, I had to get out of my house, one, because, like, it did suck to just work at my house. Like I didn't have the proper tools or the setup or not the proper tools. I had the proper tools, but tattooing on your kitchen counter, even though I wrapped my kitchen counter completely, you know, like it was, it was sanitary, but it wasn't like ideal for doing like a five hour tattoo. And, um, I found honestly, like the one thing I guess I will share to other business owners, which I wish I knew, um, in starting my practice, there are buildings in cities that are like little apartments for businesses and they're nothing fancy. It's like one window room, but like I painted it. There was hella plants in it. It was awesome. I think I paid two fifty a month for my first space. Wow. They're cheap. It was, there was trucks up. There's a truck yard right outside. It drove me crazy. I would hear those goddamn trucks in my sleep. So it was not ideal. Also, there's no air conditioning because it's Seattle. There's never air conditioning. So in the summer, I would bring, I had like a little air conditioner, but didn't work. I would tattoo with ice packs in my pants because I was so hot. It was pretty miserable. Yeah, it was not great. Um, it was an amazing first, again, like it was a great first, first time space though, because it was cheap. I could finally have my own space and get like kind of like separate work for my life like that's I think where it like becomes real where it's like oh shit like I need this separation you know and how many tattoos were you giving at the time like were you fully supporting yourself yeah to the to the point that you were with graphic design at that point yeah and I mean I've been making way more money than I made in graphic design and that's not saying a lot because listen like graphic design didn't pay me anything anything even working there for three years um and yeah, I just like, I have a hustle mentality and like, especially with working for myself, like even to this day, like 
I work a lot. I work a lot. And sometimes that bites me in the ass because I think you were talking about this before, like I will vulnerably admit that I'm not the most organized person. So if I'm going to pre- like, you know, say to anyone, if you, if I can do it, you can fucking do it, you know? And <laughs> I mean that. So yeah, I, you know, I think like having that ability to make my own money on my own accord and hustle, I took it and I still hustle to this day, you know? Did it make you nervous back then when you were, I mean, you always had the option to go back to graphic design, but Mm -hmm. did you ever question whether you would be able to make a substantial income doing this or did it ever make you Mm. nervous having to manage your own business? Yeah, of course it made me nervous. But again, like I I had such an outpouring of people that won. I feel like I'm lucky. I feel like I was lucky. And I think that also is like a good, a good measure that if you want to do something and you have a lot of people that are supportive in your life, like it can happen. And that support was people allowing me to tattoo them, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, again, I didn't ever since starting, I haven't really had a trouble with my books, but to be honest, like, again, tattooing is really sought after. And we have a lot of artists that like have books closed for up to a year, you know, they're not doing booking for a year. So I think the like, in general, everyone wants tattoos right now, but everyone's also impulsive. It doesn't want to wait. So like, why not get a stick and poke from your homie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. What about like accounting and stuff? All the other business taxes, like has anyone helped? Do you just Google that? How do you figure it out? I I don't know how I figured out my taxes, honestly. I did. I do my taxes by myself every year and people are actually surprised by that. And I'm surprised by that. I'm like, I don't even know. TurboTax? Yeah, I use TurboTax. The best. Yeah, it's the best. I, um, I don't know. I think like just, again, like learning how to separate it from your life made things easier. But I also do things in a very untraditional way. And part of it is my, because I... I don't want to talk down on myself. I'm just not the organized, most organized person. So like, you know, for example, I book week to week just because I like, I'm like a very temperamental person. So I don't know how I'm going to feel one week to another. I don't know if like the one day where I booked like three tattoos, I'm going to have a fucking meltdown or like have had a horrible weekend and need that day to rest and adjust. And like, I like to have my life. And, you know, I also text my clients, which any tattoo artist will be like, probably and they say to me, too, like, how do you do it? And yeah, it's fucking hard, honestly. It's hard, but, like, again, like, that's why I wanted to do my own thing because I just like to do it on my accord. And um, I definitely need to hire an assistant, but I'm not there yet. Like, I need I need help because it's not the way my brain works. Um, and that, yeah, with that being said, too, it's like with being an entrepreneur or starting your own thing, you don't need to have all the tools. You don't, you know, because, again, I somehow made it work. Yeah. Is there any aspect of it that you don't love? I mean, I'm sure that that stuff, it sounds like it's really hard, but does it make it not worth it? No, yeah, I think it's worth it. But I think there's, yes, I don't, I don't love booking. I hate, I mean, and I don't love like, you know, not being able to, I think, I think it's hard for me not to respond to people, but I get so many messages and like stuff I kind of have to. And I think I have a hard time with that because like in my heart, in my soul, I am, I don't want to say people pleaser, but like, I want people to not feel ignored. I want people to feel heard. I want people to feel like I'm accessible. So I think like having to set those boundaries can be hard for me, but, um, in again, people respect boundaries. And I felt, I found that when I've had looser boundaries, I've attracted clients that aren't, um, uh, uh, not to say that they're just hard to work with. People that are, but when you have those boundaries, I think you attract people that respect those boundaries, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And boundaries, I mean, nothing is more of a testament to self-respect than boundaries. And Fuck yeah. If you respect yourself, other yeah. people are going to respect you too. Yes. Because you won't allow it if they don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is a huge learning lesson. That takes mm-hmm. a lot of maturity. So now you're here. I mean, you mm-hmm. make a living off of more than a living. I mean, you're comfortably a tattoo artist and have your own business and file your own taxes and you've been doing it for three and a half years. So mm-hmm. what does it feel like to be in the result that you didn't consciously pursue from the get go, but mm-hmm. 
what does it feel like to actually be here now and doing it regularly? And you kind of, you've hit your stride. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it feels, it feels good. It feels like I feel accomplished in a way that I think like, I feel like I've checked off something internally that I feel like, again, doesn't get checked off until you like do something solely for yourself. Now, listen, that doesn't have to be a job, right? It can be something like a hobby, some sort of a pursuit, but to like actually go after it and like, and and have it happen, of course has been rewarding, but like, you know, like I think, as I said before, like, I also believe that like a job becomes a job after a while. Like people, I feel like clients all the time are like, Oh, you like, you know, you have the coolest job and fuck. Yeah. I'm stoked about what I do. And of course, like, I do think it's cool. Like that's why I pursued it but it's still like a job and it's still where, where I go to work every day. And I still am actively trying to figure out how I can expand, how I can do other art. I mean, a lot of the reasons why, why I like named my SLC Billy St. Clair designs is kind of the same thing I told with you before. I don't think it ends at tattooing, you know? And yeah, I think it, I think I feel stoked, like, especially to be in a studio. I think that's what the feels the most crazy to me. Like, I was self-taught. I tattooed on my living room floor, drunk. And now I'm working in a very sought after studio in Denver. You said that at the end of the day, it's still a job. And there's a lot that goes into it beyond just tattooing. So obviously, there's a lot of energy output that you're giving to this job. And then there's also a ton of energy output that you were putting into your job at Zoomies and then the job afterwards. How did they feel different? Like, sometimes when I am doing what I really feel like I should be doing, that energy that I'm putting out feels like it's coming back just as much. And, and then when I'm sometimes misaligned, it's draining, you know, it's not something that's energizing. Do you feel like there was a difference between what you were doing before and what you're doing now? It's truly rewarding to do something for yourself, solely for yourself. I think again, producing work that was solely my heart and solely what I wanted to design felt awesome because of course, as any graphic designer, you want to be as, you know, as sought after, have that sense of style that brands are coming to you and being like, oh, I want that style and that brand. Now, I, for myself with tattooing, I was able to cultivate that style and that brand and keep it, you know, and like, that's, that's just me. And that feels good. But of course, like, again, with any job, there's different ways to feel fulfilled. Like, you know, there's times where I had really, 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 really hard days at work and really, really difficult clients. I miss that camaraderie. So there are the grass is always winter. I miss health insurance too. People don't talk about that. People don't talk about that. Yeah. It's expensive. Yeah. It's expensive and it's really shitty. Oh, okay. Well, you mentioned earlier that you don't think you'll be tattooing forever. So have you had ideas of what might be interesting down the road? Like what is the future? It sounds like your visions for yourself are more intuitive, more feelings-based, not specific. Like maybe you visually don't see it, but you know kind of the feeling that you're after. Yeah. What is that? What's the feeling that you're going for in the future? Yeah. Well, right now I am switching to machine. So um, there's that. I feel like, again, it is a feeling. I don't, I can't really predict just like I couldn't predict becoming a tattoo artist. Like I just know right now I need a certain change. So changing my tool up is something that's going to fulfill me and where I'm feeling a little stuck, a little stagnant. I need to move. I need to learn. And of course, again, that's not to say that I have perfected stick and poking because I have not. Like I still have so much to learn, but I do like a change of pace. And um, I would love to do like illustration work and like make that more of a thing. Like, you know, again, like, having more of a brand behind Billy St. Clair designs and like maybe people aren't just coming for my tattoo, but like, Hey, I need this illustrator. Um, But again, that's going to take a lot more organization. And that's something that honestly is probably is a priority for me moving forward. Like I have to get it together in terms of organization. If I want to expand my business now in a way, like I've done as much as I can on my own. I feel good about it, but I need it to be more technical to, in order to move forward. And that sounds really boring, but that's kind of how I feel right now. You know, 
Yeah, I think that's so important. I mean, there there has to be that in order to grow. You have to have some sort of solid foundation so that you can grow in different directions from there and not worry about things getting done and yeah. your reputation staying positive. Has anyone come to you for illustration work or has, yeah. has anyone asked you Maybe. to illustrate? <laughs> Maybe I don't, I guess I, I say that because I get a lot of messages on Instagram and I don't really like, again, I haven't made myself truly like accessible in that way. Mm-hmm. And I want to, I want to, but right now, like I'm busy as all hell with tattooing and I'm just going to keep running with it. How many tattoos do you have? So I did a quick, really quick count in the bathroom. I definitely have over 60 but wow. I, have like, I know, but I have like, I have small things like I have stuff in my ears, like I have stuff in my toes, like all on all my fingers, mm-hmm. like, um, my freckles are tattooed, like, I don't know, like I have a bunch of like little little guys everywhere. But my arms are pr- like pretty covered. This At least I don't like like the look of the full sleeve. I like some space and breathing room. Mm-hmm. I have a lot but looking at me, you wouldn't totally think that but I Yes, I have a lot. I have a fuck ton of tattoos. Yeah, but they are really small and dainty and feminine. They're really, really pretty. Thank you. Do you, you know how many you've given? And last year when I did my taxes, I was at 400. And this year I um, did the, the uh, counting of clients in a different, better way. So I'm guessing 500. 500 is a lot. And do you always do black or do you ever yep. do color? I've experimented with color, but I like black. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, maybe yeah. they all have to get one. I you. love that. Be my very first tattoo. Let's get it. My virgin skin. Ugh, love that. <laughs> well, where can people find you and follow along and maybe get a tattoo? Yeah. So, um, I you can find me in a couple ways. Probably Instagram is the best, and my Instagram handle is Billy St. Clair Designs. And that's um, B-I-L-L-I-E-S-T-C-L-A-I-R designs. I won't spell that one out. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we'll get it. Um, but yeah, and through May, I mean, the made tattoo too. But really, you can you can find made tattoo through my Instagram too. There's a lot of wonderful artists that work there. And um, if you want to get a tattoo from me, I'm currently just posting flash to be claimed. So that's kind of how I'm doing stuff right now. And that means that you draw a design and then you post it and people DM you to say, I want design number three. Because I just want to tattoo my own artwork right now. Yeah. And so they have no input. It's just whatever your design was. That's why I like it because they like it enough that they want to get it tattooed. So it feels very consensual on both parts. Right. Do you still do parties, like put together flash sheets for parties? I do. I'll do flash events occasionally, but they're pretty stressful. Oh, yeah. I bet they are. So (laughs) many people coming through. I mean, I think people don't realize like how kind of even just turning over your station 10 different times and just and tattooing and talking to 10 different people and still trying to concentrate. It's just a lot, but I do love to do. I just did one at a um, fashion for fashion week in Denver, like a couple weeks ago. So I do them still, but um, yeah. That's awesome. Very cool. Okay. Well, thank you so, so much. This was awesome. It was fun learning from you and maybe we'll be back again one day. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you.